this week's life note. When you go to Las Vegas for one thing and one thing only, shows. Welcome to Life Notes from Chair 17, a podcast dedicated to sharing life stories, wisdoms and inspirations as we navigate life's journey. Host C.H. aims to share thoughtful perspectives and insights from her own life journey, as well as those of special guests and contributors. Tune in for thoughtful conversations about lessons learned, wisdoms gained, experiences had, and inspirations shared. Find us where you get your podcasts and be sure to hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now enjoy this week's episode. Right. Welcome back, friends. New friends, longtime friends, new listeners, returning listeners. This is a, another episode of Life Notes from Chair 17, and I'm your host, CH. Thank you once again for finding me in this corner of the podcast universe. I hope you're having a good day from wherever you are tuning in from, or that by listening into this episode, it helps bring some good energy to your day. It's very interesting, actually, for me to record this episode. It's the second episode after the launch of the podcast, and so that is sort of on my mind, like, no pressure, sequel episode. <laughs> so if you did listen to the first episode and have come back, thank you. Much appreciated. If you happened to have stumbled into this episode... Uh, and haven't checked out the first one, hope you might give that one a listen, but I will continue to chat about and continue the theme of music and musical inspiration that was a big focus in the first episode, namely because, or notably because, I recently returned from having caught the tail end of Lady Gaga's jazz residency at the Park MGM in Las Vegas. Now, a couple of sidebars. Uh, one, this is not the MGM Grand, <laughs> nor has the MGM Grand been renamed, which when I was looking for tickets for her show, I thought they were the same. Strike one on not being up on all things Vegas. Uh, number two, Park MGM was actually a new, is actually a newer hotel built on the property that was previously owned by or previously known as the Monte Carlo. So if you are familiar with where that hotel was located, it's the same. Uh, it's essentially next door across the street from New York, New York. And I was looking for the Monte Carlo too when I was looking for hotel arrangements. So strike two, not being all up on Vegas. And uh, most important sidebar, by the time this episode airs, the residency is over. <laughs> so uh, please don't go try looking for tickets because uh, you won't find them. Uh, it's done. <laughs> uh, and to be fair, this was a very short residency. It started at the end of August and it ran through the first week of October. Uh, she had previously done a residency that I missed much, uh, much to my chagrin. Uh, and I have been a fan of hers and her pop 
genre work. But I became really interested in her jazz work, uh, namely for two reasons. One, I have started my own jazz uh, journey as a drummer and playing more jazz music over the last couple of years. And two, I, uh, through that journey, I came to find the albums that she made with Tony Bennett, which are fabulous and Tony needs no introduction uh, when talking about his contributions to the music world and particularly jazz. And it's really sad that we lost him recently. Uh, Gaga played a couple of the songs from those albums and paid great tribute to him throughout the show, which was fantastic. Uh, and I know that maybe there are some of you who don't necessarily think of Lady Gaga as a jazz singer or even a jazz artist, but she actually is. And from her earliest days, too, uh, early teens, she referenced that in the show. I think she said she started singing jazz maybe around 13. Uh, and if you thought her voice was impressive for pop music, it's even more impressive in the jazz context. The woman can sing, hands down, no questions asked. She knows how to put on a good show, and she loves what she does. And in this case, from my perspective, I'd never seen her before, I really loved not only that she performed sort of what you would call traditional uh, jazz uh, songbook songs from eras gone by. But she also did completely revamped versions of some of her biggest hits on this beautiful white grand piano. So Poker Face, Born This Way. So if I'm setting the scene for you, you think Count Basie-esque orchestra with a string section and then having moments where she plays... Poker face on a uh, on this this grand piano in this jazzed up unique fashion. It was just a really really cool mixture of what a lot of people know her for, and maybe less maybe other people might not know her as much. Um, but what's funny is the other thing that really stuck out to me was how she handled her costume quick changes. Now I don't think I've ever really dug that and I always feel like this is the awkward moment of the shows doesn't matter what show it is it's like we as the audience have to you know kind of see it but pretend we don't see it and you know it's they have to fill the space the artists and the performers and in this case she chose to do that through utilizing the big screens that were framing the stage and she recorded sort of pre-filmed clips where she's playing a, a character uh, like a jazz performer her band was in some of these clips and she's narrating uh, the history of Vegas its origins its influence its appeal it's narrating her coming to Vegas her story in Vegas and unlike a really large maybe like quick change format in say a stadium or something in this context, it felt really, really engaging, almost like a little history lesson, not only on Gaga, but on Vegas itself. And so much so that 
when she did come back on stage, it felt like she stepped out of the screen. And there was a moment when I didn't even see her come back on stage. And I usually nerd out on that because I like to watch kind of the movement of everybody on stage and entries and exits and stuff. But I was so into what was going on on the screen that I didn't see her come on. And then obviously stage lights came up and there she was. And so it was just a cool way like a bonus of how she handled that element of her show. And if you are a Gaga fan, you know how much she how much she puts into her performances and how much she is masterful at them. If you are a Gaga fan but haven't had the chance to see her, hope that you do one day, depending on where she might be. But if you happen to have the opportunity to see her in something like a residency, I really recommend it. And this experience has reminded me of my first experience in Las Vegas and how that has evolved over time into kind of how I see it today and the impression that it left on me then versus how I see it now or the the first life experience versus the modern day life experience. I was definitely a late bloomer in life in general, which some of you will know, but also as it pertains to Vegas, I didn't really get there until my like mid-30s, I think. And I should say, too, when I'm saying Vegas or Las Vegas, I am talking about the strip version. So the casinos, the events, the nightlife, the lights, the music, the food. I am not talking about the non-strip version of Vegas, which I have not had the chance to experience. And there is other aspects of Las Vegas. It isn't just the Strip. But of course, it's generally known for that. And then oftentimes tends to be someone's first thought when you say Las Vegas. And in this context, I am referring to that version of it. And back in the day, my Aunt Cass was always going to take me for my 21st birthday. We're going to go when you turn 21. We're going to go. We're going to go. Okay, great. Sadly, she passed away before I turned 21, so it never happened. And I could say that once she was no longer talking about it, I just kind of never really had any inkling to go. Uh, I tend to be a more introverted person when it comes to spending my spare time. This was true even when I was younger. Uh, I tend to make plans with like a single person or maybe two people. I'm not a huge group person or a huge like amongst the masses being out and about person. But the other thing I'm not is a drinker of alcohol either. Uh, to be fair, I've tried to have the odd taste of, you know, champagne on New Year's Eve or maybe try a sip of wine or, you know, a light cider. But the sticking point for me is the smell of alcohol. I can smell it when other people cannot. So I can be sitting next to a friend who's drinking like the most watered down version of something. They cannot smell it. I can. And this stems from growing up in a family where there were parts of my family where alcohol flowed very freely and I was exposed to it at a really young age and very strong smelling alcohol at a young age. And I was also exposed to 
when alcohol is not celebrated responsibly and bad stuff happens within families. So you can say (laughs) um, alcohol does not have a very good connotation for me. And so it turned me off to it at a younger age. And I just never touched the stuff. And I just stayed away from it. It didn't smell good to me, and I kind of saw, like, bad stuff happen when people drank. So it really was like, yeah, I'm good. I should say, sidebar, when I share this story with folks now, as I've gotten older, people start to get very nervous, like they shouldn't drink around me, and that is absolutely not the case. It is completely fine. (laughs) I don't have an issue with alcohol or people having celebrating and, you know, drinking responsibly, it's totally fine. I, I often get, I get very nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Like you couldn't drink around me. Absolutely. Totally fine. The thing is, it's just not for me. And so what does that mean? I usually end up holding the designated driver keys, which is not a bad thing. So all that to say, if we think about in a general sense, you know, kind of some of the things that appeal to folks who travel to the strip side of Vegas. If I remove alcohol consumption and I remove being out and about and I remove the food element because I'm not a big foodie either, unless I'm really into the casino thing, there's a big portion of Vegas's draw that is kind of absent for me or one that a lot of people go there for, but I, it doesn't, it's not going to do much for me. So the first time I really did set foot in Vegas was actually for work. And that can sometimes happen to a lot of us who are kind of left wondering, you know, so what is it about Vegas? And we, we end up having to kind of be pulled there for some sort of work thing. And then it kind of allows us to think about our initial assumptions of, you know, is it really what we thought or maybe it's different or maybe it's what we thought. And in my case, it was a giant uh, pet industry trade show. I was helping my other aunt uh, trying to start up a pet-themed apparel business. And I will never forget driving in to Vegas from Southern California, which is where I was living at the time, And they approach. I start to see a castle, which is the Excalibur. I start to see a pyramid, which is the Luxor. I start to see a roller coaster zooming along what looks like the New York City skyline, which is the New York, New York. I start to see the Eiffel Tower emerge in the background, which is Paris. And I remember saying (laughs) to my aunt, This looks like a bunch of giants played with a set of toys in a sandbox and then just suddenly got up and left. And that became the Vegas skyline. And it's still true today when flying in on this most recent visit. It's not quite the same from the air, but it made me laugh thinking about that first time of seeing it come up over the horizon from the car Uh, from a driving-in perspective. And, you know, back then we checked into the Monte Carlo, and at that time 
in that moment was when it really hit me as a first-timer. And that was the lights and the sound. There was this sort of constant sensory load of ringing and bells and music in conjunction with the flashing of lights from the slots. (laughs) And having just come back, I had the same reminder, right? Ringing, lights, music, music, ringing, lights. And I often describe this to folks who actually go to Vegas a lot or enjoy it uh, more than me. And they surprise me and they agree. <laughs> they go, you know what? I don't, I've never thought of it that way, but you're actually right. And if we think about the entirety of you know, the Vegas casino system, right? It's really to get you to lose sense of space and time. There's no clocks. There's no windows. It goes 24 hours a day. It doesn't stop. It doesn't shut down. You don't go to sleep. And, you know, this was even true for me one night after the convention all those years ago. I decided to wander into New York, New York, and I literally have no idea how long I was gone. I just sort of followed random pathways until I thought I was actually in Soho or Little Italy or both. And then it turns out I was just downstairs. I hadn't even discovered the upstairs of the casino yet. And so (laughs) this also made me think about that I walked the casinos uh, back then, which you can do because they're pretty close together and They are connected if they are the same property or can be the same properties. It's very easy to move amongst them next to next to next. And it was just fascinating to me as a newbie, but it was also really distracting. And it was sort of like, okay, please be quiet. But no, that's not what it's about. So I was like, all right, well, let me embrace the moment. And I'm going to sit down at a blackjack table just to say I played one hand I did. I lost my 20 bucks. I won nothing. The odds are all on the house, as Doc Holliday would say. And I left it at that, right? I was like, okay, this is my Vegas strip experience. Cool. I saw, eh, not really sure it's for me still. But cut to a monument birthday. And being a fan of Shania Twain and learning that she would be in residency, her first residency, at the Coliseum at Caesar's Palace. And for those following along, that's where Adele is now. And so my second, I'm calling it my second chance uh, with the Vegas Strip side of Vegas, came when the visit was solely focused on a show. And that is when it really clicked for me, or as I like to joke, our relationship got much better. It's, for me, the shows. And seeing all of these artists who have these residencies is such a unique chance to get to see them in a much more intimate setting than, say, a stadium concert. And You know, I previously talked about my love of music and how much it has influenced and inspired my life. And live music is very much a part of that. And I've always felt that if you do get to see an artist in a smaller venue, those can sometimes be some of the best shows. I still remember seeing Stevie Nicks 
at what I think was the House of Blues in Anaheim. I can't remember exactly the venue, but I have the distinct memory of it being small. It was a dinner theater or there was dinner being served or dinner tables. And it was like a random three-night performance that was in between albums and in between shows. She just wanted to get out and perform. And it was like the coolest, smallest, coziest, most brilliant show I had seen of someone that I'd only really ever seen in a stadium context or an amphitheater context. And so seeing a show in Vegas is kind of like that, right? The venues are small. They're customized and perfected kind of to each artist's specifications, even in more detail than, you know, the larger venues, right? Not to say that Taylor Swift's Eras Tour or Pink's Summer Carnival Tour doesn't create its own unique ambience and energy and vibe because it absolutely does. But it's on a very grand scale. And so if you took that artist and put them in a small scale, it strips them down in a way that allows you to see them and maybe connect with them differently than you would in a large venue. So in Gaga's setup, for example, in this Dolby Live Theater, it was very much focused on creating that sense of an intimate, smoky jazz club vibe, right? So they ran, I'm guessing, what were like fog machines before we even entered the theater. So we entered into this kind of smoky environment and the lighting was super cool and um, you just felt kind of like you were in a club. You were not in a theater. Shania, I remember, piped in sense of like Pinewood or the forest for the portion of her set at that time that she called her campfire set, which was a brilliant idea. And it really, I loved it. Adele currently, you know, she does like a walkthrough through the audience and sings when we were young in the audience and actually chats with folks. It's, it's, Vegas creates these, these unique spaces for these artists to really own. And it's, again, it's not a knock against artists who have brilliantly managed to make a stadium feel small by their production design or stage design. I mean, pink flying acrobatically through the air to the upper echelons of stadiums. I don't know how she does it. That is absolutely amazing and just the artistry of it. But when you do have these smaller venues and particularly in Vegas, it's it's really cozy to both you as the audience, but also the artist and the performers. And so if you ever have the opportunity to catch one of your favorite artists in Vegas, I highly recommend doing it. I'm not saying it's cheap or that you should go and fly every weekend because that's going to be a lot. And I'm pretty sure the lights and the bells and the ringing would get to you eventually too. But even if you aren't like me, someone who gets drawn in by the traditional, uh, maybe we could say, appeal of the Vegas Strip side of things. The shows are worth it, as are the calibers or performer uh, of the performers that are there. And I often say, like, if someone like Taylor Swift or Beyonce did a really long residency for any period of time, it would sell out. And it would probably sell out for, like, years in advance, depending on how long that residency ran. And there's a reason for that. And it is a, a really special way in which to see a performance. And this is coming from a late bloomer to Vegas who can attest to <laughs> that old saying that 
there does almost seem to be something for everyone in Vegas, even if it isn't what you think, and even if it's only tied just to the show side of things. So, I leave you with that life experience note for this week. As always, I hope that you are being kind to yourself, that you've enjoyed listening, you're taking it one hour at a time, one day at a time, and I hope that I will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Life Notes from Chair 17. Remember to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.